0: hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 69 of Hack to Start. This episode features Kim Bost, a product designer at Dropbox. Tyler and I wanted to invite Kim onto the show to share her amazing
1: story and insights as an entrepreneur and designer. Kim is an incredible designer who started her career off with agencies before moving into the physical side of newspaper design at the New York Times. There she transitioned more into digital design while taking on new challenges through freelancing. Kim moved into products and startups working for brands like Etsy, Cover, and most recently Dropbox. This is an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it.
0: Hey, Kim, thanks so much for being on the show today.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I mean, we're really excited uh, to have you on and and learn more about all the fantastic stuff you've done. So let's let's start things off by, uh, I guess, getting to know a bit more about you. Where are you from, what did you study, and how did your passion for design and entrepreneurship really develop?
2: Yeah, sure. So I actually, I grew up in uh, West Virginia, which is not exactly a hotbed for design. But yeah, I'm the daughter of a pilot and kind of like a uh, a stay-at-home mom. And uh, growing up, my mom was like really into sewing and crafting. And so I've always uh, been like making things and kind of was, you know, a designer from being very little. When I was a kid, I was really into Computer graphics, and I would like stay at home and like use desktop publishing to make stationery for my family. Like, I'd make like a letterhead for my dad that said, like, world's best dad, or from the desk of Tom Bost, or something like that. Um, And uh, yeah, from there, I went to to college in uh, North Carolina at UNCG. I went to a liberal arts school because at the time, um, even though I was really into design and like, especially like graphic design uh i wasn't sure that that was what i wanted to major in i was thinking maybe i wanted to major in science or something like that but um i took my first design class and it was like game over (laughs) i was like i can (laughs) i can get paid to do this this is amazing i was at uncg for a while i got a bfa in design and then um went to to micah for graduate school in baltimore cool that's awesome
0: so yeah you, so after school, I guess, like you started your design career working for different media agencies, um, and then actually ended up with the New York Times. So yeah, how did all these different, you know, early experiences impact your career?
2: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is uh, my very first design job. It actually like started as an internship in college, and then they were nice enough to hire me on as a junior designer who didn't really know much. Um, but it was a, a small agency in, in North Carolina or in Greensboro, North Carolina called Bolton Advertising, and um, it was actually an all-woman shop, which at the time uh, I didn't... I don't know. I just thought it was kind of awesome. But looking back and, and thinking about like how I entered the workforce and in a place that was like totally run by women, I think probably had some influence on, on my career. Like I, you know, I just didn't enter into any sort of gender roles. Like, you know, women were the boss, they were the creative director, they were the copywriter, they were the admin. Um, they were in all sorts of roles. Uh yeah, and then the times, uh the times was really really huge for me. I think it probably had the biggest impact on my career. Um, I was there for about four years and I actually had two jobs while I was there. So um, for about the first two years, I was the art director for the op-ed section of the, the paper. And I was working on the, the physical paper, like the printed paper, um, doing layout and design and also like commissioning illustrators uh, and artists and designers to art the articles every day. And after doing that for about two years, I was kind of ready for a change. And uh, at the time, I was like sort of positioned to like, you know, I'd been art directing at the paper for a few years. I was sort of positioned to maybe move on to like another another magazine or something like that and come on as the art director there. But I I was talking to Koi Ven and telling him I was looking and uh, I was also like sharing with him some like freelance work that I've been doing on like, you know, redesigning this this website for this surfing publication—I think it's called—it's based out of California and it's called Foam, which uh, stands for Fashion, Ocean, Art, and Music. I think. And I was like sharing, you know, this this like redesign I was doing with him, and he was like, "This is really great. You should uh, you should consider joining the digital team here." And I had never thought about it, but I had like a ton of respect for that team. They're they're super talented people, and I was like, "Yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's let's you know, um, I'd love to interview for the position." And, uh, that was a huge change in my career. Like that's when I really sort of dove into, to UX and, and, you know, working on screens and, and digital design. Really.
0: That's awesome. How did you help? How did you navigate the transition?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it wasn't though I had been like, you know, designing really like websites, uh, you know, sort of like for clients in a freelance capacity for a while. Um, i hadn't worked you know on an in house team and with the intensity that an in house team brings so at at first, the transition was like to be honest really hard because editorial wise I was used to working on the paper, so I would kind of like lay out typography and things in a totally different way um and I remember like you know a, a good friend now, but another designer on the team, John Niedermeyer, like totally calling me out like that's not going to translate on screen the way that you're like laying out these columns and, and jumping from one point to another. It's just like not going to work on all of these viewports. But I found those challenges to be also like really exciting. Like there's this, you know, this tiny sense of accomplishment when um, you you try something that you've never done before and you kind of have to struggle with it. Uh, and so that's kind of I, I really like fed off of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's super cool. So you know, besides the the laying out columns and stuff like that, were there any other, you know, major lessons that you learned during this time that, that later, you know, served you well in your career?
2: Oh, yeah, hugely. Um, I mean, really, when I was at The Times, especially for, for like art directing and stuff like that, um, I, I got used to... To shipping daily, really. Uh, When I was on the newspaper, the op-ed column or the op-ed section publishes daily, obviously. And so we would have to like lay out the paper and commission artwork and and ship every day and moving fast and not being afraid of like changing designs or, um, you know, responding to feedback or, and just like working on a really tight deadline definitely influenced the way that I think and I think how I could how I was able to perform at Etsy and like other tech companies later
0: yeah that's cool no and I'm glad you brought up Etsy because that that you know serves as a great transition which which we'll talk about some more but um I mean besides Etsy you also had a chance to work for uh cover and then most recently uh Dropbox um mm-hmm. what motivated you to kind of uh join a more product focused company not not that newspapers aren't a physical product but but you know work in totally in the startup tech app kind of space
2: yeah, I was, um, so after being on the the team at the time for four years, I was really excited to, I think, mostly work more collaboratively with engineering. Um, the design process at, at the time there, uh, and I'm sure a lot has changed, you know, it's been a few years since I've been there, but the design process there um, was that we would, we would sort of like, you know, we would be working on a, a new feature or improvements to an existing feature and we would work with our stakeholders to kind of get it into the right place and then we would sort of like spec it out or redline it and then hand it over to development. And at the time I was starting to, to learn to write CSS myself and, and code. And I, I was starting to have the skill set to, to build those things as well. And I, I just sort of had this hunch that there has to be a better way to do things. There has to be a more collaborative way to do things. And so I was really stoked on Etsy one, because I, I love the product. Um, like you know, I don't know. I, I love how they support small businesses and individuals, but also the designers on the team code there. And so I was really excited to to go and grow technically, and um, and thirdly, just cl- collaborate really closely with engineering.
1: One of the first product companies you had the chance to work for was, as you mentioned, Etsy. For those who may not know, what is Etsy, and how did your how did you create the opportunity to work there?
2: So Etsy is a marketplace uh, for handmade and vintage goods. And so the way it works is, you know, small businesses and individuals all over the world uh, list their items for sale on Etsy and you can buy from them. Um, And something that's really cool about it is, you know, most of the profit goes to those individuals. I think Etsy charges something like a 20 cent listing fee. That's a one time fee. And then they take maybe like three and a half percent off of the total sale. So that's much lower than than other marketplaces that um, that exist. And how I ended up there, you know, I think kind of all of my opportunities have have been one, timing, like essentially what's on the market when you're looking to make a change. And two, like who you're, it, it sounds kind of like gross to say. I don't, when I say who you're connected with, it just means like, you know, who's in your network, who are you friendly mm-hmm. with? And um, the creative director, who's now the VP of design, Randy Hunt, and I uh, have been friends for a while. And I, I just saw that uh, he tweeted that he was looking for freelance designers. And I was like, that sounds like an awesome job. I'm not really looking for a freelance position. I want to go full time. Uh, but I, I responded to him anyways just to see what the deal is. And that's like that's you know that's a great thing to do is just to connect with people because you never know even if if something doesn't work out right now, like it could work out in the future. And so it just so happened that I pinged him and he was like, "Yeah, man, like we're also hiring full time product designers. We should totally talk." And he sent me the job spec and I think, you know, in the job spec it said something like, if you'd, if you'd rather walk like, you know, a hundred miles in the desert than do a, a comp in Photoshop, then like you're the designer for us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Yeah, so time- I mean, this was like five years ago when folks were like still designing in Photoshop, which is crazy to think now.
1: <laughs> oh my God, I couldn't imagine.
2: <laughs> it's like sketches. It's totally changed the uh, yeah like the landscape.
1: Yeah, I've I've translated myself over to uh, Illustrator and Sketch now, and I and the odd time I open up Photoshop, and I just can't imagine you know using this tool to actually bang out some you know some UI.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't want to hate on the the folks that are still you know maybe holding on to it, but um, I do think there are more friendly more friendly ways to do things.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if you've actually seen the new version of uh, Photoshop, but they have this new UI for it that's mimicking almost the same style as uh, Sketch. Oh, really? No, I haven't. Yeah, if you have CC, you just um, I think it's in your preferences panel. And then uh, from there, you're able to see this new layout. I'd have to go through it, but uh, I can send you yeah. a link after the episode.
2: Yeah, totally. I'll check it out.
1: So your time at Etsy actually spanned approximately two and a half years where you were the senior product designer and a product design lead. Um, so what were some of the main projects you had the chance to work on there?
2: Yeah. So, um, my entire time at Etsy, I worked on buyer experience. And so that's, uh, anything that you come across during your shopping experience. So that's everything from like low intent pages, like landing pages, like the homepage or, you know, browse pages like clothing or, uh, or weddings or jewelry to high intent pages. And when I say high intent and low intent, like low intent is basically like, you don't really know what you're shopping for. And we're going to make suggestions for you to try and like help you figure it out. And high intent is like pretty much like I know exactly what I'm looking for. I'm very interested in, in, in some particular thing. So high intent uh, would be like listing page or like the item page. Um, and obviously checkout is like <laughs> the end of the funnel, mm-hmm. uh, and, and sort of like the highest intent experience. Um, and I also worked on search a lot, which is a really interesting problem because search ranges the spectrum of intent. Like, you know, folks might search for things like women's handbag, which is pretty broad, or you could search for something like black leather crossbody bag, which is really specific. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so were there any specific tools that you guys use to help make design decisions and for your design iterations of these uh, sections of Etsy?
2: Yeah, totally. We used a a couple of specific things. Uh, One thing that we used a lot was actually Basecamp, which is basically... It's like project management software, but we didn't actually use it so much for task management as much as we used it for discussion and just giving transparency into the work that we were doing. So um, during my time at Etsy, the company scaled quite a bit. We went from about 200 people to over 700 people, so we more than tripled in size, and the design team similarly went from six people total that would be like both brand and product design to over 30 just on product design. So we really had to like figure out a way for us to communicate with each other and also sort of the rest of the product org in a way that like didn't necessarily involve more meetings. Mm-hmm. So, so Basecamp was that tool for us. Um, and it's something that I've, used ever since then just for, again, like giving transparency into the design process. And it's like a great way to like um, loop people in on the design the design process from like not only designers to both like product managers and engineers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one tool. And then we also, we spent, uh, I didn't really personally contribute to, so much to this, but the team spent a lot of time uh, developing a style guide, like a um, a CSS style guide while I was there.
1: Nice. Yeah, those are very yeah. popular these days.
2: Yeah, I mean, what's what's so nice about them? I mean, I think a lot of us can get really into the technical side of it and um, sort of, you know, discuss like, I don't know, man, like what's your theory on the best way to write CSS? And, and that's really cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate like well-written front end just like anyone else. But what's really cool about having like a, an extensive pattern library is like you kind of remove the fretting over the the visual design decisions and you can really just focus on like the user experience and product decisions like you're not going to worry about what this button needs to look like or what this mm-hmm. dropdown needs to look like you're going to really like start focusing on the overall the overall product experience which is the the real problem that you need to solve.
1: Yeah, no, ex- exactly. So, when you transitioned between the two jobs at Etsy, what was the experience like and if someone was going from a, you know, a product designer to more of a lead role, what ex- what feedback or what insights would you give to them?
2: that's a good question. And to be honest, it's not the easiest transition to make. Like, I, I think, you know, maybe it comes more naturally to to some people than others. But the thing that's really hard about it is, for, or was hard about it for me is you, you spend your entire career getting like really good kind of at this, like at this skill set of, of design, right? And, and the things that you use to, to be really good at design, the skills that you use to be really good at design, don't necessarily translate to to people management. They don't necessarily translate to humans. So suddenly, you have to to become good at different things. And uh, your I, I kind of always say your deliverable goes from like you know producing design artifacts to like humans, like you mm-hmm. know making sure that folks have a good environment to work in and that they're set up for success. But my advice for for someone who's new to the role, you know, as designers, you're really used to being very concerned with the work that you're producing, and, and and really your job, like, don't worry about the work that someone's doing. Worry about like everything else around them. Like, worry about like their relationships with their team, and like helping them, you know, uh, communicate, and worry about the strategy that's surrounding them. And and if if you get all of those things right, then they're gonna do awesome work.
1: Yeah, no, 100% agree. yeah Uh, so lastly for etsy like what is the design culture like within the company and and even new york city as a whole
2: yeah etsy has a really healthy design culture and when um when i was thinking about this they have a couple of sort of like mantras like one is uh just like share early and share often Uh, and that kind of goes back to this transparency this idea of transparency that i was talking about but um You know, like, by getting buy-in early, then you avoid surprises, and uh, you can focus on getting the right feedback at the right time, because kind of the worst thing to do is to, like, go off in a corner and and design something and kind of spin your wheels and come back and think that you've solved the problem and and then, you know, get feedback and find out that, like, maybe you weren't quite right. Like, that's really frustrating, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So share early, share often. And and then also, uh, my favorite is, like, They had this mantra like keep it real. They had like stickers and t-shirts and all sorts of stuff just printed with like keep it real on it. And I and I think what that means is, you know, designers that are contributing on a big team Really have to have a low ego, right? Like they they really have to believe that you know their designs aren't precious and they don't put things on pedestals, um, so that they can be comfortable, sort of iterating and and finding the best solution. Oh, and you asked about the about the New York design community as well. Yeah,
1: like I mean, you know, New York's known for their design, fashion, startup scene. So yeah, so what's it like in your perspective?
2: <laughs> uh, my favorite thing about New York is is exactly what you mentioned is the diversity, right? Like mm-hmm. design is really broad here. It's not just product design. It's not just tech. Like you have folks in publishing, you have folks in advertising. Um, and like you're saying, like you have folks in fashion and art and you have friends who are in bands. And so that's that's really refreshing um, and, and can kind of keep you like really energized and inspired. Um, I would also say that before I moved here, I've been here for almost ten years, but I, you know, I remember I would like go to uh, AIGA events or whatever, and you know like cool people would be there like michael beirut would be there and and what's funny is like the design community is actually kind of small and really welcoming and uh not as intimidating once you get here like you can just go up to anyone and have a conversation and uh for the most part people are really humble and have a like it it goes back to that low ego thing like for the most part people are pretty cool that's
0: awesome sounds like fun that's i find with you know especially with tech and startups you know most people are approachable and uh, and that's a lot of fun to be involved in that kind of community
2: yeah totally can't totally. speak
0: for under other industries but ours is pretty cool yeah. <laughs> so um yeah after your after your time at etsy you joined another startup called cover as their design lead so once again uh, kind of can you tell us a little bit you know what is cover uh, and what motivated you to join uh, that startup
2: yeah so cover is a uh mobile payments app for restaurants Um, And essentially, it's like Uber for restaurants. I I kind of hate saying that sentence because, you know, it's gotten it's so cliche at this point. But really, like what it allows you to do is is check into great restaurants. And um, all you have to do is tell the server that you're paying with cover and then you can leave when you're ready. You don't have to wait for the check. You don't have to lay down a credit card and it handles splitting the bill or setting your own gratuity. You can tip what you want. Um, And so... I was really excited to, to work at Cover for a number of reasons. Like one, uh, I, was, I was excited to work in the food and restaurant space. Um, I think anyone can pretty much say that they like food, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about food and do a ton of like of cooking and dinner parties uh, on the weekend. So that was really exciting to me. And to uh, a product partner of mine from Etsy, Frank Harris had actually come on there as the product lead. Um, and we worked really well together at Etsy. So I was excited to, uh, to join him and, and see how it would go. Um, whenever I'm thinking of, like, starting a new job, I think about three things I think about um, people process and product, uh, kind of in that order. So like, one, you, you want to have like match with the people at a company, right? Because you're going to be, you know, spending most of your time with them and solving hard problems with them. And so these, you know, these are folks that you have to kind of be able to like roll your sleeves up with and disagree with or, you know, collaborate with. And then and then second, like process is obviously very important to me. So, you know, what is the product development process? How do you how do you get at like good ideas and validate good ideas and and ship good ideas? And then thirdly, like if you have good people and you have like a solid process, then I think you're going to, you know, build a good product.
0: Absolutely. Those are three great tips. Uh, Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. So what were some of the projects that you were, you know, involved with day to day at Cover?
2: Yeah. So uh, as the design lead, I was in charge of both brand, like brand and product design. So um, that means everything from like iterating on the app to eventually we we redesigned the the app and and rebranded the product because really what we had started with was kind of like a, a really well functioning MVP, but the. The product had scaled to over 300 restaurants and it was kind of fraying at the edges a bit. And and then a real part of the job too was uh, sort of like laying the foundation for the, the design culture and design process of the company, which was really exciting and, and super rewarding. And, and I think it just like it built off of all of my experience that I had had so far, which is, you know, a really like transparent and collaborative design process that sort of like, opens the doors into, into folks being involved. Um, so during that redesign process and rebrand process, we had marketing involved, we had engineering involved, we had product involved, um, and everybody was sort of with us every step of the way.
0: That's awesome. I'm I'm just wondering if you can elaborate on that a bit more cuz I think you mentioned a little bit or alluded to it a little bit more uh, earlier as well with Etsy saying that, you know, you shift from designing the product to designing the process that allows people to be successful. How does that happen within, you know, a, a company that's a little bit bigger than a small startup, you know, probably like 10 to 25 people? What what is what does that look like and and how do you get all these different departments involved?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So, a lot of it like I feel like there are really simple things that you can do to make people feel like they're a part of the process and they're invested in the process and that and that really goes back to to the transparency bit. So Basecamp was one of the tools that we used to to share every phase of the design. So like almost daily we were broadcasting updates. Um, in terms of our progress on what we were doing to, to almost everyone in the company, to like marketing, engineering, product, the co-founders. Um, so everyone kind of stays in step with you. But then also we, we did this thing where we had design office hours twice a week. And so that was just like open time for an hour on Tuesdays and Thursdays where we would invite everyone in and we would, again, like sort of share our progress, but we would do it in person. And and there were a couple of like key factors to this too. The progress that we were sharing, you know, isn't, they weren't like finalized phases of design. It was like in process stuff. And by being able to, experience the in process stuff that also helps educate your team on the design process right like they they start to um learn about the decisions you're making and and why you're making those decisions and we even did things like in in the discovery phase so so with any project we kind of go through like uh three to four phases and one is problem definition you know just like really defining with the team and again when i say the team that was like Engineering, product management, marketing—defining with them the scope of the problem we're going to solve. Um, going into discovery, like evaluating whether we had any data internally about how folks were maybe using a particular feature, or also you know looking externally at the market to see if other folks had solved a similar problem and um, what way they had solved it to like ideation, iteration, and validation. And so that just means like, okay, so we've defined the problem. We have an idea of how it could be solved and, uh, how are we going to validate that our thinking is right. And, and you can go in those cycles depending on, you know, how close you are for a while and then, and then finally ship the thing. But everyone is, a was a, a part of that process, um, throughout the way. So it was really fun to, to have folks from marketing and, and, and engineers in the room like looking at our discovery work with us and literally like with post-its, like putting their own takeaways on the wall and and really like contributing to uh to the final outcome.
1: Now that sounds like a great, great process. So so today you're currently working at Dropbox as mm-hmm. a product designer. And so how did you create the opportunity to work at Dropbox?
2: So going back to what I was saying earlier about Etsy and you know connecting with Randy Hunt, um, I had first connected with their product design lead, Martin Pedrick, who's like in charge of sort of building out the the New York team uh, design wise uh, back in the winter. I think it was like late winter and I wasn't even, you know, I was still really happy at, things, at cover. Things were going really well. But um, I always like to connect with folks regardless of what, you know, sort of stage I'm in, because, uh, again, you never know. When when the timing might work out, right? Like when you you might want to work with them, or conversely, you might want to hire them and have them work with you. Yeah. So it's always valuable to make those connections. And like worst case scenario, like you've just had a coffee with someone who's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I connected with Martin back in back in April and um, just learned we we learned a little bit about each other. You know, uh, my background and what I had done, and also some of the awesome stuff that that Dropbox was working on. You had a second part to that question. What was the second part?
1: So just really the opportunity, the work there, and, and, yeah. and I guess so we can elaborate a little bit more on that. Is what what really like why did you want to join Dropbox? Like what what problems are they trying to solve, and what projects really at Dropbox kind of lured you in to join their team?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I am on the uh, content and workflow team of Dropbox, and so that's really the core product that you see every day that's the the client product that's on your computer and that's also the the product that's in your web browser and the apps and the thing that really drew me in is one the team like going back to this like this people process product idea that I have um, the team is just stellar and and that's not only product design but you know when I was interviewing with them I met folks from user research and engineering and product management and um, I was kind of blown away but by how smart these people are, but also like how friendly they are. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I could learn a lot from them. And I'm also just really interested in the potential for the product and the complexity of the product. So as a designer, when you're, you know, designing something for Dropbox, I think Dropbox is translated into something like, uh, God, I hope I don't get this number wrong. I've only been there for three weeks. I wanna say like 60 languages or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. something absurd. So there's that kind of complexity and also the complexity that's just the nature of the product and people who are using the product, you know, there are all sorts of like different file types and workflows and personas that you have to take into consideration and also different environments, um, you know, ranging from like, again, that client experience on your computer to, to mobile and to web. And so when do people decide to engage with these, these different uh, surface areas, um, is a really interesting sort of like behavioral exercise. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just like I'm really intrigued by by the complexity and the potential there. And so yeah. you know, yeah, I've
1: been I've been following the design team there for a while, and like you said, that you know your whole team is just such amazing guys and girls there. And it's, uh you guys are doing really awesome work.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I, I know you've only been there for three weeks, but <laughs> what is your what is your day to day like there?
2: Uh, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> It's really hard to say because I haven't settled into a routine. Um, yeah. Today was actually my first day in the New York office. I spent the past three weeks in San Francisco, uh, just onboarding out there and and meeting, you know, all of the designers out there and and you know a lot of engineers and product people out there. So my day to day was literally like back to back thirty minute meetings, uh, getting coffee with people. But now I'm, I'm I'm kind of settling in a little bit and. Uh, the work is a range of, you know, iterating on existing features and, you know, thinking about new features and a constant conversation that we're having is sort of balancing for designing for today and how that, you know, also plays into like some of the future thinking and the vision for for Dropbox. And so that's really fun. Um, and it's also kind of interesting to be working uh, for the first time for me in a remote office. Um, I've definitely worked with uh, remotes and, and you know satellite offices before, but I've always been in headquarters, and so um, I'm just you know I'm really interested to see to see how the culture and process develops for the New York office.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it seems like there's a lot more tools nowadays, you know, like Hangouts, Skype, and Slack, and everything that really makes this process you know very seamless.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean that that definitely helps. Um, I think the the hardest thing to replicate and um, something that I gained a lot of like information from when I was visiting out there is just kind of the like spontaneous conversations that you have with people, you know, when you're just like sitting beside your engineering partner or your product manager or whatnot, um, sort of like shooting the shit, uh, and you start like riffing on ideas. It's like, how do you, how do you recreate that in a remote fashion? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know if we need to, like, uh, the New York office is is sort of like fully staffed at this point. We have designers and, engineers and product managers. But um, yeah, it's just, it's something that I'm excited to sort of experience and, and evolve in.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Once you, you know, maybe after a couple months in, you should write a, an article about your experience. I would love to hear about how you've been able to adapt to this, uh, the remote working as a designer.
2: Totally. Yeah, I should.
1: So what's next for your career? Is there anything that you can share um, about maybe that you're working on the side? Like, do you have any side projects going on?
2: Oh, I've been itching for I think for the first time in a long time. Uh when I worked at the Times, I had like a freelance studio where I would uh, you know, do client work and artwork and whatnot. But I haven't done it for a while. And for the first time in a long time, I'm sort of itching to have a side project, though I don't have anything on the books at the moment. Career-wise, something that's kind of interesting for me is I've transitioned from a sort of like leadership and management role back into an IC role. And I'm really excited about that. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of conversation in the design community about sort of career tracks, I guess, and how conventionally um, folks are always promoted into management because that was sort of the only track available. But But now we have different options and now like, you know, we're thinking about how folks can still, you know, have influence on a team or, you know, somehow have leadership on a team but like from a design perspective from from a con- contributor perspective and so um that's something that i'm kind of just like weighing over and experiencing i guess myself.
1: Mm-hmm. So what are some of the most recent apps that you've downloaded and used lately?
2: Oh yeah, i saw that you guys were going to ask me this and i'm like i'm this is i kind of have like a lame answer. <laughs> uh because I I don't live at the cutting edge of like what's the newest app that's out today. I mean I, I definitely like pick up on things from social media and product hunt and whatnot. I wouldn't say that I'm like in the boonies on this stuff. But um, I experiences that I'm really drawn to aren't actually apps. It's like kind of experiences that have moved this like inner removed this interface layer. So things like um, we have this thing in New York called Go Butler, and I think there's another service called Magic or whatever, and you can. You can, like, SMS someone and they'll literally do – this sounds terrible, but they'll, li- they'll literally do – will do anything for you. So you can, like um, – I had a, a girlfriend who this summer, like, she was trying to find a, a certain pair of shoes in a certain size from a certain store. And she messaged Go Butler, and she's like, can you find me these sandals in a size 7 and have them delivered to my apartment? And they did. They, like, found the the old Navy in Manhattan that had them and had them sent to her apartment. So it's, like, it's kind of – it's, it's crazy. Magic. I think, I've, I think yeah. I've heard
1: about this app. So do
2: and it's you pay all, for this all,
1: individual to go pick this up? And like, how, yeah. does, how does that work?
2: See, the, I, I'm not quite sure how the billing works, mm-hmm. which is a, a good question. But the interface is all through text message. Which is so, simple. so cool, so simple. And that's something that we did at Cover, too. I actually can't take credit for it. Uh, Frank Harris, the product lead, came up with it. But um, we had this interaction where, like, if you invited someone to join your check or split your check with you at a restaurant, that interaction happened, like, straight through text message. So your friend could just, like, respond to a text, say yes. And then, and then they were, like, splitting the bill with you which was pretty cool. But so I like stuff like that. And then uh, honestly, <laughs> the app that's kind of newest to me is not for a uh, UX or design reason, but I've been like um, playing fantasy football lately.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> awesome.
2: Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge football fan. I wouldn't say that I'm like really knowledgeable in the subject, but uh, folks that cover uh, started playing and I joined the league just for fun. And then I started winning. And it's usually I've, the
0: way it goes yeah
2: I've, I've won like $26 on FanDuel
0: and now you're hooked I,
2: I'm totally hooked uh, so yeah so that's kind of what I've been into yeah,
0: that's awesome Um, so besides FanDuel uh, are there any recommendations for other great uh, content that you've come across recently you know, like books videos or blog posts
2: yeah yeah totally Um, so I Like, basically, you guys know Julie Zoe, the uh, design manager at Facebook?
0: Yes, she's got an excellent, uh, I'm assuming you're going to say her medium.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, um, she and actually my husband, Cap, like, they write about very similar things in terms of, like, you know, management and the culture of design at companies. And so... um, I really, like, follow what they're doing. And then uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Design Details, which is a, a sister or brother podcast, design podcast, but um, they're doing some pretty interesting stuff too. They are, yeah. Uh, and then outside of that, like, I, I kind of get, like, some email newsletters that I'm into. Like, Benedict Evans uh, is really great if you're into product and technology. Like, he he generally just, like, sends out a newsletter once a week. Uh, with sort of, you know, it's very data-driven, which I like, um, but just reporting trends in in the market. And I'm also really into like non-design things. Like uh, there's this newsletter called The Skim, which is just a daily digest that you get of sort of like the most important news events that have happened. And it's a... Uh, like a women a woman led company and it's like written kind of from the point of view of a woman for women Um, not to say that men can't enjoy it at all they totally can but uh, it's it's like it's kind of like their brand like the tone of voice is really good it's also really smart like these these women are like super intelligent and and have worked in the news industry for a while and so I don't know how they do it they must be like up all night like reporting on the news sort of the, the last thing that's my, my favorite thing right now is there's this this newsletter called Infatuation, which reports on the best restaurants in New York and San Francisco and I think uh, maybe Los Angeles and Chicago I can't I can't remember but um, it's sort of like, the scoop on on the best places to eat right now and what i like about them is that they they profile marquee places like you know really nice places and then they also profile like neighborhood restaurants that have been around forever
0: that's awesome those are some great uh, some great things to check out and definitely have to look forward to, uh, to checking them out and then linking them in 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 the recap episode awesome so do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by and you think others should know about
2: personal mottos i have like professional mottos which is kind of sad maybe That'll i should work. come <laughs> maybe i should come up with personal mottos first uh yeah i mean just you know i think of design i think it's pretty clear by everything that i've covered i think of design as a process and not an artifact right like we can get kind of caught up in the way that something looks and again like kind of put you know the design details if you will on a pedestal and and really it's about like It's about the toolkit that you use to solve the bigger problem, which is like generally like an experience problem or a product problem. And and then uh, I have to quote my husband for saying this, but, um, you know, design is for everyone. And, uh, you know, just, you know, bringing people into the fold and, you know, educating your team on the design process only helps build trust and momentum and ultimately will create a better outcome.
0: That's awesome. Really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today, Kim. Really, I uh, really enjoyed the episode.
2: Yeah, totally. Thanks so much to you guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening and see you next time.